The following resource is from Christ Community Church. For more information, please visit lovinglord.org. The following lecture was recorded in a classroom-like setting in which only the lecture was recorded. Because of this, the participation in the classroom cannot be heard. When someone asks a question or makes a comment, there will be a brief break in the audio. Once the question or comment is finished, the lecturer will begin speaking again. Thank you for understanding, and we hope you enjoy the message. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the blessing of, of this time that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we might uh, look again at the, the topic of community. It's certainly something, Lord, that we struggle with in our cultural moment, and we are not the only church. And so I pray, Father, for two things. One, that you would help us to understand the, the biblical mandate to to be true community in the biblical sense, and at the same time, Father, um, and even more so, that you would give us a desire to live in accordance with it. Um, we want to be a communal people in an a-communal culture uh, that we might not only be blessed one to another, but magnify Christ. We know that one of the greatest testimonies to a dark and fallen world are your children loving each other as real family. And so um, help us to that end, Father. It requires your Holy Spirit to overcome decades of training in the flesh. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, you would do that. Um, if you haven't started on us, then start tonight. Chip away at our, our radical autonomy and, and make us a communal people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Mark, yeah, you got to get, get out of there. All right, everybody Okay. I don't want anybody going blind in the next 60 minutes. That would not be good. Yeah, wrong kind of Shekinah. Okay, um, so obviously we haven't met in several weeks, so let's try to get our, our head back into the, the, the focus, which is authentic community, biblical community. What does it mean to be a communal people being united to Christ? Um, so let, let's just begin with a real simple question. Why, why I would argue that it's imperative, and you may not argue that it's imperative, but it's certainly important. Why is it imperative or important for a true church of Jesus Christ to be a biblical community? Why is it important? Why is it important? Okay, so... My dad said for spreading the word of the Lord, how does community communicate the gospel? I would agree, but how? How does community spread the gospel? Chase? Okay. Good. Good. So someone seeing a true community of people from different backgrounds, languages, Economic standings, educations, coming together and living as a family, it would be an odd thing, right? And it magnifies the gospel. Good. Why else would we want to strive to be a biblical community as a church? Good. So, I mean, it's, a very, it's an answer that, that we're, we should not be afraid to say the Bible commands us to. Right? The Bible teaches us how we are to live now that we're in Christ and united to Christ and brought together as one body in Christ. So we're commanded to. Is it important to obey the commands of God? 
If you don't think it's not important, then come this Sunday as we look at the divine warrior Jesus Christ coming to slay the nations with what? With his word. Super important that we obey the word of God. Why else is it important? Brandon. Good. Yep. Good. Good. So you said perseverance first, the primary means, according to the Word of God, the primary means that God uses to ensure that you persevere to the end is the body of Christ, that you make it all the way in, across the Jordan, into the Promised Land. What else? Renata. I'm so thankful that you said that because that's a true statement and if we don't know that's happening that's dangerous if we think that we can walk with Christ faithfully and not be in the context of a community of believers then something's wrong with our walk absolutely necessary William Or Revelation. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you, brother. So a community of believers should be a hopeful community. Hopefully, when people come in, they see us as a hopeful people. I think it'd be a terrible thing to visit a church and you walk away thinking, wow, that's a lot of depressed beeps in there, right? We wouldn't want them to see that, right? We have the hope of Christ. Tina? Yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 Most revivals we've seen starting in the context of prayer with churches, right? Good. So you would all agree that community is important. Many of you would argue necessary. Some of you would argue commanded. 
So why are we studying about community? Why are we doing it right now? Why is Christ, what is it? Christ, Christ Community Church. Christ Community Church. Why are we spending time right now to pause, reflect, learn, and hopefully apply? Well, how do you think overall? I mean, when we've done enough looking and we're going to do more tonight in a couple weeks. I mean, when, it, when we look at the, the Bible and the New Testament church and we look at community, um, I, I would certainly say that Christ Community Church is doing better than others. And I would say we have a long way to go. So that's why we, we want to, of course, we always want to be striving for sanctification and holiness, right? We want to praise God for the grace that we see because anything that's happening good here is by his pure, unmerited favor. So we're thankful for that. And yet we don't want to rest on that and say, well, you know, we, we lunch every Sunday after church. That's more communal than most other places, which is a great thing, right? Um, hopefully we get more than a meal out of that. Hopefully there is real good community taking place. Okay, so let's do this. I have... Um, We've worked through some of these already. My definition, which we've looked at in some detail already. Um, we started looking at the five foundations or the five pillars of what we would consider biblical community as we derive it from Scripture. Um, and we worked through, if you remember, we worked through uh, Acts chapter 2 on this, on this handout. We made it through Acts 2, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. But I want to just briefly touch on those again. So a devoted community. Authentic communities are marked by a devotion to the things of God, is word, communion, and prayer, and a devotion to one another. So when we think community, we want to think devoted. Devoted to Christ, devoted to the things of God, whether we're talking about prayer, teaching, fellowship, um, the breaking of bread, specifically to one another, Right? Um, if you, when you think about your life in the church here, would devotion come to mind? And better yet, would someone say of you, that is a devoted believer in the body of Christ here? Um, ask yourself that rhetorically, because if devotion is a characteristic of biblical community, we don't want to be a church where devotion is very little. And you know, what, what, what the difference is, is I come on Sunday, I gather, I say, hey, how you doing? I sing a little bit and then I disappear, right? That, that would be probably not a terribly devoted body of believers. And then incrementally up to seeing you're, you're being vested in the life of the church, exercising your gifts, building each other up, loving your brothers and sisters, serving one another, right? So a devoted community, I would say, is axiomatic to what the Bible teaches about community. Um, so that was from Acts chapter two, the model we have, Acts chapter two, verse 42. Um, the second thing we looked at was we, I was arguing that a biblical community is an interdependent, interconnected community. And that's being drawn from 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul delineates the gifts. And if you remember, he talks about the gifts needing one another and then the gifts being used together doing what? Building up the body of Christ. So my argument was authentic communities are interdependent communities where members of a local body live interconnected, interdependent lives. How are we doing on that? I mean, so interdependent, interconnected means what? Interdependent means 
I need you, you need me, we need each other. Interconnected means our lives are intertwined. So if one of our interdependent, interconnected members leaves, we should feel it. If you leave, we should feel it. If you leave, you should feel it. Right? So to, to be able to come in and out of a church without um, a sense of loss um, would probably indicate that it's not a terribly connected body. Right? So 1 Corinthians 12 says the exact opposite. In fact, the description that Paul's used of the body parts is that we are essential to one another, that we're, no one's dispen- dispensable in the context of the body of Christ. How are we doing on that? How interdependent, interconnected are you? If, you? if you can't be part of this community, would you feel like you lost an arm or a leg or an eye or an ear? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's, that's, that's how the Bible says that we ought to be. The third thing we looked at, we did this last time, if you remember, we talked about um, being a building community, Ephesians chapter four. And again, this is, the emphasis that Paul has here in, in Ephesians 4 is he talks about the specific gifts given, but he talks about gifts given to pastors and teachers in order to raise up the saints, equip the saints to do what? To do the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until, I love it, he says, until we reach full maturation, just like Christ. So uh, uh, a biblical community that is walking together will actually be building each other up. How are we doing on that one? You're a contractor. You're a spiritual contractor in the context of a local church, right? You, you come with your hammer. You come with your saw. You come with your level, and you do work in building up this church. Do you see yourself as a builder of the body of Christ? Yeah? Well, we must, that, what would that look like? What, what does it look like to be a builder in the body of Christ? Okay, so if we're talking about expanding, yeah, I wasn't thinking, but yeah, to build up by bringing people in. So sharing the gospel, making disciples, bringing them into the body. That's going to build it up. William. Good. Good. So you, you've, you mentioned a few things. So we engage one another. We encourage one another. Right? One of the best ways to build up the body of Christ is to build the relationships in the body of Christ. Excellent. Right? You're building up the body of Christ when you say some, how are you doing? And then when they give you that flippant answer, I'm fine. You say, no, how are you really doing? And they say, well, do you have a minute? And then you sit down and they share with you a struggle. And you share with them the word of God, and then you pray for them. That's building up, right? When you use a gift or talent in the context of the body of Christ to make that church a healthier church, a more joyful church, a church that brings the testimony better, you're building up the body of Christ. Anytime you're making a disciple, you're building up the body of Christ. Biblical community requires building, right? We're in a perpetual state of construction. Okay, so are you ready for number four? 
biblical community is an essential community. Open up, if you would, for me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. For those of you who are here during our study in Hebrews, as we you know, the, the teaching, the author of Hebrews has elevated the, the position of Christ as high priest, the, the work that Christ has accomplished on behalf of the church to come into the presence of God. Um, and then he gives us a handful of these, what they're called, let us, let us one another commands. He calls the church collective to, to do something communally. Um, and I want to walk through verses 19 through 25 very briefly. We did this last time, and I'll, I'll give my commentary as I walk through it. And then we'll, we'll, we'll draw out from it the communal component, okay? So Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Again, he's established the supremacy of Christ and our access to God through Jesus. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, so there's no more fear going into the temple, behind the curtain, into the presence of God the Father, because of the blood of Jesus, verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened for us, that's Christ, gave us access to God the Father through the curtain, that is through his flesh, which of course took place where? The breaking of his flesh on the cross, verse 21. And since we have a great priest, present tense, over the house of God, here's your first let us, ready? Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Now, I, it's important to know that um, the New Testament does this all the time. The New Testament is almost always speaking in the collective, almost always communal. And more oftentimes than not in our translations, you know this, um, NIV, ESV, the you is you all. Really only Texans can actually translate the Bible well, right, Jonathan? Right, we don't do you all, but it should be you all. A lot, the majority of the time, it's you all. Here it's let us, so we're thinking, we're talking to the body. This is something we're going to do together. So together we're to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, so that's trusting in Jesus Christ, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an internal, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So internal cleansing coming from Christ and then the external, this idea of holy living, pure water as we live in Christ. So that's the first let us draw near together. Let us together, verse 23, let us hold fast. That's persevering together. This is Brandon what you said. Hold fast the confession of our faith the confession of our hope without wavering, so we want to be consistent to the end, for he who promised is faithful. Our hope is in God and God is faithful. This is one of William's favorite things to tell us, right? William, that God is faithful, he's not a liar, and we can trust him. So let us together as a church draw near, let us together as a church hold fast, and verse 24, let us together consider, that means to keep on, that's actually a, a very weak translation, um, it, it means to stir on with great fervor. Uh, let us consider how to stir up, to incite to action, one another to what? To love and good deeds. So again, that's what we do together. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
So three let us communal commands. Let us draw near in faith. Let us hold fast in hope. And let us keep on stirring up one another in love. And you think, wait a minute. Faith, hope, and love. I know that. And that's to take place here. Right? So our faith, our hope, and our love is to be grown and cultivated in the context of the local church. The primary means of doing that is us gathering together, right? That we meet together and we pray together and we sing together and we study together like tonight. We've gathered and we said, I wanna, I wanna better understand what community is. So we're, we're doing these things together to increase our faith, our hope, and our love. And the degree to which we do that, the church will be built up. So how well are you stirring up one another to love and good deeds? So again, so that word in the Greek, it's to incite to action. It's a, actually, it's a violent word. Um, I don't know how that would play out. Are we, we come up to each other and we shake each other. You need to love more. I need to love you more. You need to love me more. To love and good deeds. Yeah, we won't do that to you, Myrna. How, I, I want to know. I want some dialogue here. How well do we collective, how well do you, and how well are you stirred up by others? Well, I get, let me ask you this then. What does it mean to do that? What does it mean to stir up someone toward love and good deeds? To encourage them and, and like when we have prayer time, we go church ourselves too. And we got, we got together with someone else and, and we tried to encourage them and pray for them with whatever they needed. And which helps, helps you grow in, in hope and, and in love and in faith. Good. Good. Brandon, and then Dad. So when we think of many of the one another in commands you're talking about and actually doing them. Good. Are, are you, con- Dad, I'm sorry, you had your hand up. I apologize. Go ahead. Community, I always equate to family. Good. Closer we are as a church family, brothers and sisters. Mm. So family, brothers and sisters, living, really living as family. Now that's a tough one. That's, that's what the Bible... When you're reading the Bible, it's brother and sister. Oh, I, no, I, I would say, it's, so it's my favorite of all the terms that are applied to the church, whether you talk it being the body of Christ, um, the idea of family rises to the top. And the designation of brother and sister, and if you remember the community series, that was the primary designation of the highest relationship of love in the first century communal culture. It wasn't husband and wife. It was brother and sister. That was the highest. So to call someone a brother or sister was to express uh, one of the greatest terms of endearment at that time. Now, I want to ask you honestly. 
Are you as close or closer to members of this church than you are your biological family? Because the standard needs to be that. It can't be significantly less than. Right? So if, if a member of your family calls you, needs you, encourages you, sends you gifts, you receive gifts, and that's commonplace in your family, it should be like that or greater. I would say greater because of what Jesus teaches in Mark chapter three on spiritual family, in the body of Christ. Is that how you feel? And when I say that, I'm not strictly talking about your emotional state, but how you actually feel as a member of this body. Is it to that degree that you feel that love and is it to that degree that you express that love? William? Very good. There's nothing wrong with inviting people. Thank you, brother. Thank you, yeah. We definitely want to invite people to our family. I'm not trying to be mean or press you too hard, Renata. Yep. Does that include Marissa or where is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, yeah. Good. So there is that familial sense in your life right now with the church. Good? Good.
Sure. Well, yeah, 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 no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that, sister. I think you've described most Christians in the Western church today. Yeah. It's either alone, it's a couple, it's a family, and here's the church, and we do our thing over here, and we dip our toes in the water of the family of the church, but it's not really our family, in terms of living it out. And I, I, I imagine that we're all going to be to at varying degrees and varying places when it comes to this. Um, what you don't want, though, is a church that does not pursue family relationships, strive to love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, hopefully be loved like that. Um, the church will become a very, very lonely place if it is a thing that we do on Sunday or Wednesday, and not people who we are in Christ as a family, right? And so we really, really want to, I, I think it is, I think family, dad, I agree with you, I think it's the best term to use when we talk about the body of Christ, um, because it conveys the intimacy that we're supposed to have, and certainly, as we've seen in Revelation now multiple times, the relationships that we will enjoy in eternity, right? When we come into the presence of God, as his children are, you will know intimacy one to another unlike anything you experienced here on earth. No matter how close your family is or your marriage. That's an exciting thought. But, but a, a biblical community is a family. Now, obviously, there are places in the world where the, the church becomes family because of persecution. Um, we certainly saw it in the New Testament church. Um, I guarantee you the seven churches in Asia Minor who are being persecuted by Emperor Domitian are very, very close to one another because their lives depend upon it. And so that's uh, uh, the blessing of relative peace here has the flip side of the curse of us not really needing each other all that much, at least in our minds. We absolutely do spiritually to grow in the faith, to persevere, to bring the gospel to the lost. But in terms of our day-to-day -day living, you know, I, I don't need to gather with the church because I have someone pointing an AR-15 at me, Right? Um, so, but we want, so we want to pray for that sense of family, um, even though we struggle with it. Um, okay, so faith, hope, and love should be something that the church does together and grows together, uh, an essential component of our faith. Uh, one more, pillar number five, a, a biblical community is a God glorifying community if you would go to um, go to first peter chapter four let's take a look at that really quickly so authentic communities serve the purpose of glorifying god as they engage in the mutuality commands of love and forgiveness hospitality and shared ministry we can say simply that authentic communities serve the purpose of glorifying god period <laughs> Right, that is the primary reason that God brings people together in a local body and cultivates community ultimately is for his glory. So tons of blessings that come from it. We're blessed by it. The community hopefully will be blessed by it. But ultimately, it is for God's glory. So uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, 
Um, Peter's talking about the end days and, and the necessity for churches to be more communal than uh, they were in light of the time. I'm going to read verses 4 through 11, then we'll talk briefly. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. So your behavior in line with the will of God, your thoughts in line with the will of God. He's talking about holy living. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That's an interesting statement, is it not? Your prayers will be hampered by behavior and thoughts that are dishonoring to God. So if you say to yourself, I don't know why, I pray and I pray and God never answers my prayer, you might want to evaluate your, the holiness of your life. For the sake of your prayers, verse eight, above all, this is an amazing statement, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That's crazy. He just talked about being self-controlled and sober-minded, holy living for the sake of our prayers, and then he says, above all, verse eight, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Holy living, really important. Above that, love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Love in the context of the church. And then he gives us a few ways that we can do that. Verse nine, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So hospitality today was not first century hospitality. First century, does anybody know what first century hospitality was in the first century? Well, what, how is it different? than to, When you hear the word hospitality, what do you think? Dinner, <laughs> dinner, food. food. Yeah, we always, we're food, donuts, coffee. Invite someone into your house, right? Hospitality in the first century, Sydney? Yeah, so it, they, in the first century, it was so important that the church did that because they had missionaries, they had teachers, they had church planners, they had people being persecuted, coming and going, and so the church was to bring these people in and, and love them and support them and encourage them during that time. Very, very different than what we do today. And, so, and hard, right? That's why he says without grumbling because, you know, guests who stay too long, well, that's just not good, right? Quite possibly, yeah, absolutely. Um, that was very much part of, in fact, Jonathan could talk about this in, in Pakistan. Um, yeah, so part of the culture was to bring people, especially those who were, were sojourning into your home. He's talking here specifically about hospitalities to one another, so specifically in the context of the church for the purpose of growing the church. But yes, it would include that. You get to go. There you go. Yeah. Yep. That's right. That's right. And I often think about how there's a lot of other groups where the Jews and the other refugees from Iran and others that have treated so well for years and then they're supposed to do it just that. Correct. Great point, sister. We are we should be doing it better than anybody else, right? 
Jonathan, can you tell really quickly that story you told me about the people staying home because they wanted to make sure? Well, I was blown away that the fact that someone will not leave the house just in case. Well, that's, well, I don't even know what to do with that. That's, that just makes us look pathetic. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Just in case. Yeah. So I'm going to put some pressure on us here. I mean, if, if that is a biblical standard of hospitality, what does that say about our ability even to get one another into our homes for a shared meal? They're not coming to stay. <laughs> they don't want to use your shower. They just, you know, we want to be in each other's homes. We struggle with that, and yet the standard scripturally, and I, and I would say that, that reflects true community and true family, right? That extension of come, stay, whatever you need, take. That's, that's family love, is it not? I mean, that's, op- so <laughs> my, my family's coming from Washington and Idaho because we're gonna be selling my parents' 60th wedding anniversary coming up. Um, that's a worth a woo-hoo. Woo-hoo is right. And uh, my brother, you know, we're talking, and my brother's like, oh, I'm coming down, I'm going to rent a car. I'm like, what do you rent a car for? Yeah, so you can, you, you can use, you know, the Sequoia, you can throw all your stuff in there. He's like, oh, great. And I didn't think, oh, I don't want to give him my car. I mean, it's just like, why, why is that? Well, he's my brother, so it's just that it should be like that here. Oh, here, take this. You need this? Come over. You need that? It should just be so organic that way because we're all members of the family of God. We're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're all united to Christ. Marissa. I was going to say, like, on our flip side, I know a lot of people want to extend their love to, you know, other brothers and sisters, but sometimes, I don't know if anyone else struggles with this thing of pride, mm. thinking, I don't need help, I can do it myself. And You're the only one in this entire room <laughs> that struggles with that. Yeah. Good. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from just being in a Western world and um, our culture just um, making it a virtue to not need anyone. Can anybody identify with Marissa? I mean, that's just, she, she articulated perfectly how pathetic the Western mind is. And it's a pathetic mindset that I don't need help. We desperately need help. In the context of the church, we desperately need help. And we need to help one another. And yet, I, I bet most of us, our first inclination, no, 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 I'm fine. No, and then what's the, what's the virtue card we play? What is the virtue card we play? I don't want to burden you. I don't want to impose. 
impose on you. You don't want to let a brother or sister in Christ glorify God, store up a treasure in heaven by serving a brother and sister Christ out of love. Well, I don't think that's very gracious on the person who says, I don't want help. Right? I mean, if that's denying the opportunity to express the love of Christ by serving one another. Yeah, you're not alone in that, sister, and that's something we all have to confess as a sin and mortify, mortify, not only so that we can receive it, but hopefully we'll be quick to give it and not think, well, they don't need it because they can take care of it themselves. <laughs> Brandon. Agreed. Yep, agreed. Sure, sure. Sure. And in part, it's because they have to depend on each other far more than we have. And there's always conversations that take place, like when you talk to a Christian, like even um, even from like um, like even when I talk to Hispanic people, when I talk to other people, there's a there's a sense of like these are places where Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yep. We should because we are equally dependent. We just don't think we are. Right. So the lie is that, Brand, as you said, that there is self reliance, but we're not. Right. So we have to confess that and hopefully work on it. So continue with me, verse 10 of 1 Peter 4. Um, verse 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, as each has received a gift. A gift is given. In this case, by whom? It's given by God. Keep note of that. As each has received a gift, use it to, say it with me, serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That's an amazing verse, my beloved. And according to 1 Corinthians 12, every single person who's saved by grace is given a gift or multiple gifts. Most of you have multiple gifts given by God to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Um, a steward is what? What is a steward? Yep. Do stewards usually have to give an account of how they do? Yeah, so the gift that you're given from God to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ as a good steward 
will be called into account. At some point in time, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ, and when the books are open, the multiple books are open, the gifts that have been given are going to be looked at and examined in the life of the church. And God's going to want to know from you, how well did you use the gifts I gave you to serve my children? The wrong answer would be, I didn't know I had any gifts, Lord. That would be a terrible answer. Most answers will be, yeah, I know. That's right. Not realizing this master was a harsh master, right? Yeah. So you're all gifted. You're all gifted by God. You're all gifted as stewards of God's gifts, and therefore the purpose of serving one another needs to be exercised. Verse 11, who, so he identifies here, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, someone teaching the word of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, so a servant in the context of the church. Now listen to this, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So the picture here is extraordinary. The reason I end with this fifth axiom is that the primary purpose, the greatest reason that we should strive really hard to be a community, a true community of believers is because God is glorified when we do that. He is magnified when we love each other and serve each other, when we use our gifts to grow the body. He's magnified and glorified. And that should not be hard for us as a, as a father now with five grandchildren <laughs> I love it when the family is, is, is serving and loving and caring for each other. You know, that, that I love to look and see things happening in the family that are God-honoring. And imagine now God the Father looking at Christ Community Church and seeing his children caring for each other and serving each other and wanting to know how each other's doing and opening their homes and using their gifts I mean, you, you know it, it pleases the Lord. It makes him happy. We get that. Um, okay, so how are we doing on this one? How God-glorifying are we as a community? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Everybody who's been here for some time talks about how hard it is here. Just lots of things that are hard here. But it's hard to do community here. The valley is 
an a-communal place. Silicon Valley is. Um, distance, cost of living, time, time, and time, right, makes it hard. And so we, want to, we, want, we don't want to, you know, paint a picture of something that's not real. We want to say, okay, that's true. That's true, therefore what? Therefore we have an out? We're not going to stand before God and say, Lord, I know all the one another in commands. Pastor talked about him all the time. It made me sick how much he talked about him. And I lived in Silicon Valley. And he's going to go, you know what? You're, you're right. You're, you're good. He's not. It's hard. We know it's hard. There are places throughout the world today, it's hard. Throughout human history, it's been hard. So what we want to do is say, okay, we recognize how hard it is, therefore what? You know this, it's really interesting here. Um, when it talks about, verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. That love, that the way that that's taught in the context of this passage, it, it literally means to be fully stretched. It's a fully stretched out love, Right? Not a shallow love, not an easy love, but a love expressed in a place like this that's really, really hard, but you're going to stretch it to make it work. Not easy. But certainly doable in the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? If this is what God wants, then we can pray, Lord, thy will be done, and he will answer that prayer. He does. He does, he does, he does. He does. We will have none. Do me a favor. Uh, answer those bottom two. It is essential that I grow and help my brothers and sisters at CCC grow in faith, hope, and love by what? How? Let's get very practical here and we'll, we'll offer some up. How can you help your brothers and sisters grow in faith, hope, and love here in light of Hebrews chapter 10? And then the last part, I can help CCC be more God-glorifying, exercising the mutuality commands of love and forgiveness, hospitality, and shared ministry by doing what? Let's be very practical and give yourself an action point on each of those. We'll take a minute or two to do that and then we'll... We'll discuss it. Be practical. You want to try to implement some of these.
Let's do, uh, let's do Hebrews 10. Biblical communities are essential communities. Where we grow one another, let us one another in faith, hope, and love. What can you do specifically to help your brothers and sisters at Christ Community Church grow in this way? What'd you write down? Encourage us with your thoughts. Good. Knowing, encouraging, and praying. Simple and powerful. How would you, how would you get to know people better, Myrna? Here. What, what would you do practically to achieve that? So, Myrna brings up a really good point. So, in our time together, we want to make sure that we don't get clicky. Right. That I talk to the same people every Sunday at the exact same time, right? So, you wouldn't want to do that to a member of your family. You wouldn't want to do that to Cousin Joe, right? Or, or Aunt Sally. You want, to, you want to know them all, right? So, spending time, getting to know each other would be a great way to, to build up that faith, hope, and love. What else? What else did you put? way that you can very practically add to the essential aspects of community here in faith, hope, and love. Dad. Yep. Yep. Yeah, serving, right? Serving when you're here. Doing something to bless your brothers and sisters by serving them. Good. Jonathan. Yeah. Good. That's a great point, Jonathan. It really is. Our primary meditations, right? So going back to point number one, a biblical community is a devoted community. One of those devotions is to the fellowship, to the brothers and sisters, right? So if you pray, if you, if you are not, I want to encourage you now that, that Hazel finally, praise God, Hazel got our, our, not because of you, but because of us. We were slow on that. But you all should have a, um, I, don't, I hate using the word directory, our family album, how about that? Directory, that's very busy. Our family album with most of our family faces on there. Use that, if you don't, to pray for your brothers and sisters regularly. They'll be on your mind. As you pray for them, when you see them, you'll go, hey, 
You know, we talked about that last time. How's that going? You know, I was praying for you on that. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I love it when people say they're praying for me. I hope they're being serious. I'm like, oh, keep praying. Please, pray harder. I so need it. I, I, aren't you encouraged somebody said they're praying for you? And you really know they are. And they're like, I'm praying for you. You're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. But if they are, how wonderful. So meditations like that are wonderful. We think about one another, right? I mean, think about, let's think about people in your family you, re- you love a lot. Don't you think about them a lot? Even if you don't call them or you talk, but you think about them a lot because they're on your heart, right? That's the cultivation we want. Not forced, but we think about people we love. So hopefully we're thinking about one another. Lori. Yep. Yeah, and they, he was on their hearts and minds, as Jonathan said. They were thinking about him, meditating on him. Good, good. That's helpful. I like that. I'm going to keep that. That's going in my pocket. What else did you put? Brandon. Yep. Good. Mark. I do. It was very, very cash. Good, good. I see you doing that really well, brother. I really do. Um, I see you stretching yourself often for um, those that you obviously love here. But your point is well taken. Um, That's the flesh, right? The flesh is, but I'm tired. It's 45 minutes in traffic. And we just had people over last week. And we do all these little but when we stretch ourselves, we stretch beyond those. Yeah, so it's 45 minutes in traffic, right? So I am tired, but I'm always tired. So let's be more tired, right? 
So we just keep stretching ourselves. And for those of you who did participate in sports, you know the only way that you're going to gain in that is when you push it till it hurts and it burns and you're like, ugh, right? And so we want to have our love stretched like that too. It will certainly produce the faith, hope, and love that, that we want here. Tina? So transparency and, and revealing needs is imperative, right? We'll talk about that when we get to um, some of the other mutuality aspects, but letting people know. If you don't know, I mean, we're not mind readers. We don't know. Sometimes you just don't know, right? And we want to believe and hope all things as we're commanded to in 1 Corinthians 13. So if you said, I'm fine, I'm doing great, we're going to say, oh, you're a liar, right? We're going to hope that that's true, even though it may not be, Renata. Good, because you're only going to be vulnerable with those you trust, and it's those you trust that you're intimate with. Right, we're going to hit on some of those. Those are really key components and attributes of true community. So we want to strive for that. We want to strive for intimacy so that we can have transparency and vulnerability, right? as you would in a family. Right? All right, let's, let's hit this last one really quickly, and then I want to introduce you. We're going we're to stop here in a minute. I'm trying to do these to 8.15. Um, how can you help be more God-glorifying? Whether it be love, forgiveness, hospitality, shared ministry, anything, how can you help Christ Community Church be more God-glorifying as a member of the community? Yep. So the old saying, what 10% of the people do, 90% of the work. And when we look at the New Testament, the teaching certainly in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 is that everybody has a body part and a gift and everybody uses that. And then when the whole body's doing that, the workload is not overwhelming and you don't have people doing things they ought not do. 
right? I mean, if you're not gifted, but something has to be done and you do it anyway, praise God for you just being willing to serve. But if you're not very good at it, that means there's someone else in the church that God has equipped to do that thing. And we want that person serving to give God glory and to hopefully take burdens off. Um, If everybody serves even a little bit, a lot gets done. If a few people serve a lot, not a lot gets done, right? So that's a, that's a great point. So us bringing God glory by everybody doing their part. And so you want to ask yourself, well, what part am I doing? I mean, what am I doing? How do I serve here? And don't, please don't think specific, you know, ministry roles. Well, I, you know, I, um, I, dad, I cut up bread on Sunday morning. Those are all service aspects, but we, we think in a very Western sense, you've got to have a little title to it. I'm talking about how do you serve in general? How do you serve your brothers and sisters? Most of that service will go unnoticed, right? True biblical service won't even be seen, but you're working, you're doing stuff, you're blessing people. So ask yourself, how, how do I glorify God in doing that? What else did you put for that last one? Oh, good. Very specific. Thank you, Myrna. Yeah, good. And we want to think specific on these things. Dad? I just uh, don't be hello, bye-bye. Yeah, yeah. Come into church and you say hello, and leave the church and you say bye. Yeah. I don't know if you hear my dad. That, the hello, goodbye. greeter for 25 years. Yeah. Correct. And it's one of the best things we could do for this church. It's a wonderful ministry. Agreed. Good. Tina. Correct. Yeah. Good. Yeah. And so maybe being creative and how we gather together and how we serve one another and how we just being creative about it. Good. Brandon? Good. Our doing that 
and we want to be a really good networking church. So needs come to me as a pastor, so people will come and I'm like, I can't really help you, but I know someone who can. And I'll go to that person and say, hey, can you, can you talk to that person? Because you have an expertise that I don't have and you'll bless them. Right? So us actually thinking about others and how we can network you know, one to another. Because we are, you know, even though we're a small church, there are so many gifts in this church. Um, and, and most needs that are brought up, there's probably someone in here, someone here who has an expertise or experience in it that can be a great blessing to that brother or sister. So you thinking not only how can I help, but who else can I get in to help? Be good at networking. All right, we're long. Let's close um, before I do, though. Uh, so your foundations for authentic community, a devoted community, an interdependent community, a building up community, an essential community, faith, hope, and love, and then lastly, a God-glorifying community. A church that's striving for that will be a communal church, whether they like it or not, if they strive for this. Um, I'm just going to touch on this, and I'm gonna, I'll wet your palate for next time. Um, next time's going to be really hard, actually. So Joseph Hellman wrote a great book, When the Church Was Family. He did that. He was a, he's a PhD out of UCLA in sociology. He did his dissertation on um, family in the context of first century Mediterranean culture and then the church. It's a great read. Um, so a quote I pulled from him, which may rub you the wrong way if you're truly an American, especially if you're from Texas. A saving relationship with God and a commitment to God's group were apparently inseparable in the early church. He makes a really good argument for that, um, sociologically and theologically. One became a follower of Jesus, and the family of God took first priority in his life. It's the last sentence that's hard, is it not? Yeah. One became a follower of Jesus Christ, comes into a church, and the family of God becomes numero uno. If the family of God becomes number one, that means you can't be. <laughs> so what we'll do next time is we'll talk about your handout, the relational priority paradigm shift of trying to move from radical, autonomous individuality into communal living. Um, Kirk and I were talking about it and praying about it today. I, I think it's probably one of the greatest challenges of the Western church. The way that Jesus was teaching people to live in the context of his culture, the culture understood it. They were just trying to move from community and culture to community and church. Yeah. Uh, like in the Middle East or, or Correct. Like the African countries or Asia. Uh, this, this is very true even now in those countries. Correct. And a lot of those countries, they're going from communal to communal. We got to get from individual to communal. And that will require a true paradigm shift. So we'll, we'll look at that in some details. And then we'll actually go through um, some really cool attributes and some of the mutuality commands either next time or the last one. We'll try to wrap this up. All right, any questions? If you're not praying for us as a church to grow in community, please start.
um, pray that, that God would cultivate even more a real love that expresses itself as family. Real family. Um, I know that God will be glorified in it. I know that we'll be blessed by it. And I know the world will see it. We want the world to see it. We want the world to think it's very, very odd, going back to what Chase said, that you have so many people from such different backgrounds loving each other like this. That's the beauty of the gospel, right? Is that it will reveal Christ in us when we love like that. So let's pray. Father, we ask that you would do this great work by your spirit. Um, we thank you for this the biblical clarity on community. We're so thankful, Father, that you have saved us and brought us into uh, this local body. Um, I pray, Lord, that um, you would, you would help us, Father, break free from our deep-seated desire to be alone, um, to be autonomous, and, and show us, Father, the beauty and the majesty of biblical community um, so that we might be blessed, that we might bless others, and so we might bring you glory. Lord, we have a handful of people that will be coming into this community uh, hopefully in the next few weeks. We want to be a family that receives and loves them well and does not teach them bad community. And so for their sake, I pray that you would place it upon our hearts to love each other more and more. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Christ Community Church is a Reformed Baptist church in San Jose, California. If you'd like more information on our church, please visit lovinglord.org. From there, you can find service times, weekly gatherings, our sermon archive, and other resources. For video content, please visit our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you again for listening.